time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You're lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. I know this is a really hard time for everyone. We're facing a killer virus, economic pain, and all the frustrations of being cooped up at home. Believe me, I have two teenagers to deal with. But the worst thing we can do is let up now, triggering a second coronavirus wave that causes more death and economic chaos. What you're doing is working. You're saving lives. So let's all hang in there and please stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state and national politics and the real issues that really matter. You too can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is uh, Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. And uh, joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes, on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Good morning, Paul. Morning. Good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Henry, good to talk with you as well. Good morning, both of you. And last but not least, we uh, have joining the roundtable. It's been quite a while since uh, Art's been with us, but uh, Flint community activist Arthur Woodson. Hey, Art. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Morning, Art. Art, should I play your theme song? Hey, you know, I was just thinking about that song the other day. <laughs> whatever you, what is it, whatever you. what they have to say. It makes no difference anyway. Whatever it is, I'm against it. That's that's Art's theme song. It's a nice theme theme song. Little little Groucho Marx. Um, 
Anyway, uh, we always start out the uh, our roundtable discussion with uh, a few quotes. And the first one is the finish the quote. That's where I ask you, how would you finish this quote? And uh, it goes, uh, you know why there's a Second Amendment? In case what? How would you finish this quote? Hmm. In yeah, case we were in, in case the government uh, reacted, uh, assaulted the public, the people. I was going to say, in case the other guys got a gun or something like that. I, yeah, that's <laughs> no, I think it was originally against the government. They were they were afraid of the government. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing because that's why the Second Amendment uh, came about. I mean, you know, to protect yourself uh, from uh, tyranny, uh, 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 government that that dictatorship, or try you know try sure. to uh, uh, take away the rights that was established back in 1976. Well, the actual yeah, the actual quote is, you know, why there's a Second Amendment in case the government fails to follow the first one. Ah, that's that's good. Well, and and it was in fact uh, Thomas Jefferson who said that we may need a a revolution every twenty years. Yeah, I thought it was every two. I thought it was every two hundred years. I thought it was twenty. You know who said that? Who said Benjamin that? Benjamin Franklin. Nope, it was Rush Limbaugh. Oh. <laughs> no kidding. Huh. No. Anyway, uh, I thought I saw that in. Uh, I thought I, I saw, thought I saw that. Franklin. I no. thought I saw that in a paper um, using the name of Thomas Jefferson. According according to Brainy quotes, uh, that's attributed to Rush Limbaugh, and I wanted mm. to mention Rush Limbaugh because he just passed away this yes. uh, this past yeah. week. Yeah, one of my favorites. But here's, here's a quote, and I'm sure everybody will guess who this is. My staff and I are in constant communication with state and local leaders to get to the bottom of what happened in Texas. We want our power back, our water on, and our homes warm. My team and I will continue using all our resources to keep Texans informed and safe. Uh, Ted Cruz? Yep. <laughs> it was. I was going to say Rubio, but it's Cruz. Texas yeah. Senator uh, Ted Cruz, who is facing backlash for traving to Mexico as a winter disaster <laughs> ravaged say, did his he home call state. that one in from Mexico? Yeah. <laughs> um, he's, he has. You know what's interesting about this? Um, Ted Cruz has repeatedly criticized politicians who vacationed or took part in leisure activities during times of crisis. This past December, for example, Cruz attacked Austin Mayor Steve Adler for going to Cabo during the uh, coronavirus pandemic. How bad is this PR blunder for uh, Ted Cruz? Well, Um, I I think it'll be used against him for his next election. But But I think it's going to hurt. I think it's going to hurt because not only did did it it a bad image, but he handled it so badly on, on the rebound as your earlier guests had mentioned. But um, he did recover very quickly the next day, I, in fact. I don't think it's going to hurt him because, one, Texas is a Republican state. Two, I mean, he didn't say a whole lot of other different things and blocked other different emergency yeah. relief funds. I mean, you know, he blocked Puerto Rico uh, when they had the hurricane. So, you know, he has his base, and, you know, it's the Trump True. base no matter what they say or do. Matter of fact, they probably saw it as something good. You know, uh, Trump supporters, well, I'm not going to say Trump supporters. I'm not going to say that they saw it as something good. But at the same time, they don't see any wrong. 
Well, and I think you got to remember that not only are there Trump supporters and Republicans, there are Democrats, dissident Democrats and others who support Trump, who did support Trump, as there are Republicans that support Democrats. So it's a mixed bag of those folks. And they, I mean, they, they, they dug in. I mean, yeah. no matter what, I mean, long as he protect Trump, they going to vote for him. And, you know, uh, the governor, the attorney general, all of them down there, I mean, they, they, they together. I mean, you know, there was something. You don't hear any outcry. But there were a couple ask, of does things. Does anybody know? Go ahead. I, I was just. Does anybody bring, know when, when when Cruz's next election is? I mean, if if it's two years down the, I think it's further down the road, isn't it? When, when is he up next? Years. Well, even well, if two it's, years, it could be an issue then. Yeah, but if it's four years or six years, then I think it's, it's going to fade. It probably people forget so, really easy the yeah. general population. But in two well, years, were, you never know. I, I I can see all kind of of attack ads based upon that. Two things came out in uh, coverage of what went on in Texas and, and what went on with Ted Cruz that um, that I thought were at least ironic. One is um, all the dust-up about uh, Cruz's little poodle that he is, oh, yeah. was reported. Facebook, you know, said he left the dog behind and you know, uh, to, to suffer the cold and all that, which was not even true. But the the ironic thing was the dog's name is Snowflake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and the other thing that I thought was especially ironic is uh, for all their talk of, of secession and independence in Texas, Yeah. Uh, right. the fact that they had a uh, power grid separate from the rest of the yeah. country they yeah. didn't have the backup that other areas have yeah when they get into trouble uh, yeah. like that and i think it backfired on them i, yeah, I, did, I didn't realize that until i saw the story about the separate power grid yeah so yeah. well okay, they had been thinking about succession succession and stuff like that was threatening the country with it but this backfired and for a good reason so ted cruz uh, election isn't until 2024 and by the time twenty four, okay. Oh, he'll be in some other I trouble by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other things could. Well, I mean, so so it doesn't matter. I mean, to 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 them right now because you know, and and then here's another thing too. You know, he's been fighting for term limits. Let's see if he steps down after this election because you know, he's oh yeah, that's for term limits. So let's see if he steps down and move <laughs> on after this. Yeah, yeah that will be. Step down. He won't have to step down if there are no term limits. No, he means from his, <laughs> his position yeah. on term limits. Yeah, but, I, I, right. know. Let's, I know. Let's go on, know, to the next, uh, let's go on to the next quote. Um, and here it is. I come from a family where my grandparents fled anti-Semitism and persecution. I feel an obligation to the country to pay back Judge for protecting Merrick. us. Very good, Art. That was, in fact, uh, uh, Attorney General nominee Merrick Garland. He fought back tears on Monday during his confirmation yeah. hearing when he explained to senators on uh, his panel why this role is important to him. Garland gave the brief yet emotional anecdote during questions with uh, Democratic Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey, who asked Garland to share the private conversation they had previously had. Do you think Garland's uh, confirmation as AG is fairly certain? Yes. Yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've yeah. heard so far. You know, he just got caught in a political uh, uh, fight uh, with 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 uh, Senator Mitch McConnell and President Obama. Right. And well, they didn't want him on the Supreme Court. No, that you was. Know, there might even be kind of a sympathy vote for him too, in that sense too. Well, I they think felt he was cheated out of the Supreme Court. I think that's one of the reasons that uh, Mitch McConnell, who is uh, known for being kind of a, a strategist, made sure that it didn't come to a vote because he probably would have been confirmed. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, this time around, they just got to stay out of his way. It looks like. Yeah. Yeah, I think they uh, they they you know you, you know not not the buyers remorse. What would you call it? Uh, where where somebody feels sorry that that they didn't fight for this individual at first, and now they feel sympathy vote. Where? Yeah, okay. I, I think there'll be a little bit of that. Yeah. I yeah. Think so. So, and a lot of people felt you know the way things worked out for the Supreme Court that he was in a sense cheated out of what what would have been his seat on the Supreme Court because of that almost year-long delay. But I thought by President Trump putting three Supreme Court justices on there that, uh, and they proved me wrong, because uh, they have been, uh, you know, in the middle. I mean, doing they've been pretty. They've been pretty good. Right. Yeah, they've been yeah. pretty good. They're, you know, especially uh, yeah. this last one. I mean, his taxes, taxes. they voted. Right, and then uh, you yeah. know all all the uh, election fraud that's been coming up in front of them, they they voted against, and um, yeah. you know the the judge up in Pennsylvania voted against him, who he appointed. So I I I mean my hat goes off to him because I thought that they were going to get in there and be you know uh, loyal to the person who uh, put them in office. And, you know, whatever comes in front of them regarding him, uh, they were going to vote. Well, that was the concern people had. And nominees always say, I'm a rule of law judge. Right. You know, and and I don't get into politics. And, you know, what's really interesting is with all the concern people had going into each of those three nominations, but especially this last one because it was so rushed, Right. Was, you know, mm-hmm. that that these were political appointments and 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 all three judges at one time or another have proved, no, we really are uh, point of law judges. We not may not agree with how it comes out, you know, because of that old yeah. <laughs> that old saying when well, when the Supreme Court votes in your favor, they're interpreting the Constitution. But when they vote against you, it's an activist court. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> well, I, th- I think this kind of an institutional thing. I think the courts don't want to see be, be seen as a pawn of the executive branch. So no, I, they are. I, I don't know. I don't know about that because you got Scalia, well, late uh, Scalia, and you still have uh, Clarence Thomas. Oh, yeah, there's those, yeah. Well, Clarence <laughs> Thomas makes it. He he decides for himself. There was a time that he didn't. But now he decides for himself. He's established, he's confident, he's secure, he's made history. He can say whatever he wants Well, speaking of saying whatever they want, we've got a short break coming up here, and we're going to let our broadcast partners say whatever they want or do whatever they do. When we go to break, if you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. More Armchair Politics straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Thank you, and thank you all for tuning in. You know, we know that tough times don't last, but tough people do. We've been through a lot here in Michigan. We've been through crisis before, where the country needed their countrymen and countrywomen to pitch in collectively to get through a crisis and rise to the occasion. Michigan once was the arsenal of democracy to win World War II. We need that same spirit now. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals and first responders to stop the spread and to save lives. But we need your help too. The state has launched a new volunteer website at www.michigan.gov forward slash fight COVID-19 where trained medical professionals can register to serve their fellow Michiganders by assisting hospitals in fighting COVID-19. State residents can also use the site to find out how they can help in their local communities by giving blood or donating resources or needed medical supplies. Whether you're a medical professional looking to volunteer or you're someone who can give blood or donate to your local food bank, everyone can help out. To get through this, we must all do our part. Stay home, stay safe, and save lives. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. Summer. 
Program.com. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue with uh, Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program, featuring our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by uh, community activist Arthur Woodson. Welcome back, guys. Good to uh, Thank you. Um, Flint Mayor Sheldon Neely is taking issue with arguments made by attorneys for mm-hmm. Rick Snyder as they prepare to return to court. Uh, yesterday for the uh, former governor's criminal case related to the Flint water crisis. In a filing in Genesee District Court Monday, Snyder attorney Brian Lennon argued that the charges against his client should be dismissed in part because neglecting a city is not a crime, certainly not one with which uh, Governor Snyder has been charged. Neely issued a statement after reading an account of that filing on Snyder's behalf in Crane's Detroit business. To say neglecting a city is not a crime is infuriating, the mayor's statement says. This criminal defense goes beyond implicit bias. Moreover, it is explicit bias when communities of color are neglected and they argue it is not a crime. What happened to the children, families, and residents of Flint was absolutely criminal. We as a community deserve justice, not more insulting attempts to defend their actions. Should the former governor be held criminally responsible for neglect? Uh, do y'all want me to wait, or do y'all want me to go? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 go ahead. I was going to say that was the quote of the year, though, for one thing. But go ahead, Art. I don't even know how to start with this right here. He should be under the jail by now. Uh, I mean, him, uh, and you know, I have a whole list of them from Mike Glasgow all the way up to Governor Snyder, everyone that played a role in this with the KWA, beginning with the KWA, to switching over to the Flint River water, to the Legionnaires. So it was three separate uh, uh, crimes committed here in the city of Flint. And, you know, the upsetting part about all this is the fact that Mayor Neely was on city council when it was switched. He was a state rep when we found out about it, and he's the mayor now. And well, for him but I don't think speaking about it. But Art and 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 I want to make sure everybody else gets a chance to weigh in. And I know how yeah. passionately you feel about this issue, Art. You traveled to Washington for hearings and Lansing for hearings, and you know participated in a number of demonstrations. But correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think anybody um, should be held accountable for making the decision to go to Flint Water. It was how they reacted when they found out it was bad. Well, all right, let me give you an example real quick. For one, at the time, it's Eagle now, but it was DEQ at the time. In the July 2011 Flint River study, it had orthophosphates in it. And at the, at the time, it says in there that Richfield Landfill, right over by Holloway Reservoir, will be getting an NPDES, that the river needed to be tested before we go on there. And then just come to find out, or Kim, with, uh, Mr. Massey, uh, who will be pleading in May from 2014 to 2015, dumped 23 million 
uh, gallons of toxic waste in Outfall 1, which is 100 yards uh, away from the Flint River, uh, the Flint Water Treatment Plant intake. So they knew, and everybody that grew up in Flint know, man, I'm not drinking that Flint River water because all the things, people was dumping batteries over in Kersley Park and Mott Park off that bridge. People know that that water was highly contaminated. So and GM was on there. That's why we uh, that's why we had to leave from there anyway. And then Buick City, uh, GM got sued by the workers at Buick City. So we know that arsenic and cyanide and manganese and nickel and VOCSs and all this was coming out of there. It's the fact that even in the June 29th, I mean, June 29th, 2013, you'll see the report uh, or the meeting that they had. And this is the part that I will give Jeff Wright credit for. Jeff Wright told them not to go to Flint River. Jeff Wright said this. O'Brien got on the uh, uh, at trial and said that this was told to them. Land was... Um, wasn't even shown, uh, you know, the plant. They knew that the skater system was messed up. They knew that the weirs was messed up. They knew that we didn't have equipment to put the orthophosphates in. They knew that it was a hole drilled through the floor to put chlorine in. They knew all this, and they still did it. Neglect. Art, that is neglect. Art, I'm going to... That, that is not a process. I'm the gonna, process is a single Henry, treatment Henry, system Henry, self-contained. Henry, Excuse me. Hold okay, that hold that thought for just a second, Henry. Um, Art, I'm I'm gonna stop it there after I let Henry get a chance to weigh in because he was at Buick City in uh, and and working for GM, especially with regard to water treatment. So I want him to get a chance to weigh in, okay. but I don't want to stay on this topic because right. we could turn the know. whole show into something about the Flint <laughs> water crisis. We can do that <laughs> another day, and we've done it a number of times. So right. uh, let me uh, let Henry uh, dig in, and then we'll move on to some other things. Go ahead, Henry. All processes that have NPDES permits goes through a collection system, and the water is treat, treated by batch <clears throat> and through several clarifiers before it's discharged to the lagoon. And then at the lagoon, it is treated again <clears throat> with oxygen and with other components to make sure <clears throat> that heavy metals and phosphates and other things, and phosphates is part of the process, that's not, that is not, doesn't cause the problem. But it is the heavy metals that cause the problem and the bacteria. And there's a, there's a confusion between uh, the, uh, the uh, treatment of, of uh, Legionnaire's disease that come from the cooling water systems. That's why they found it at uh, the hospital. I think it, which hospital was it? It was McLaren. I McLaren. Think. Yeah. Right. They, those yeah. come from cooling towers, but they charged Buick with that through a discharge problem through the treatment process, and that's confusing and that confused a lot of people. But you know, well, what was uh, go ahead. Go ahead, like I said, wasn't the real problem just the failure to add the appropriate chemical? Once, the, once they went to the Flint yeah. River, if they had added $100 yeah. worth of the right chemical, wouldn't that have alleviated 
much of the problem. Well, yeah. yeah let me let me just managers, huh? let let me just amend uh, Paul Paul what you just said. That was a hundred dollars a day. Yeah, hundred dollars a day. Because <laughs> if yeah. it'd been just a hundred dollars to fix it, I would have paid the hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, no, um, hundred dollars a day. That's that's correct. Yeah. But yeah. but um, but but Buick really did its best to remove those kind of constituents that was endangered the the discharge of Flint River. Okay, and fair. they had to report on this every day, guys. Okay, fair fair enough. And and like I said, there's there's lots more to be said about this, but not today. Yeah. We've got other things. Right. <laughs> we've we've got other things we've got to get to and uh and and let's let's uh let's do that now. Less than three days before students were scheduled to begin their return to the classroom at Flint Community School, school officials announced at about four thirty PM Friday that the district would delay its plan for students to return to, to uh classrooms on Monday. Uh, through a hybrid in-person model, apparently. The board approved the plan at a January 20th board meeting. The district stated in a letter from Superintendent Anita Stewart that the delay is due to concerns brought up regarding sneeze guards. Sneeze guards are an additional safety measure that, while not a requirement for in-person learning, is something that the uh, board members, families, and staff had expressed a strong desire to have in place, according to this letter. The letter states, The district will delay its return to in-person learning until issues regarding the sneeze guards have been resolved. No further information has been provided by the district on when the sneeze guard issue will be resolved. What does this do to what's being called the COVID slide? Paul, you want to jump in there first? Okay, I, I, I heard the phone call. Uh, I didn't hear your question because the phone cut out for a second. Oh, uh, what does this, uh, cha- you know, delay in getting back to the classroom do to what's being called the COVID slide? Yeah, I, I think what the, maybe the worst thing about all this is this back and forth kind of thing. If you knew you were going to do all virtual learning or you're going to be in, in the classroom, you can prepare for it. But I'm struck by how many schools kind of go... Two two weeks they're in they're they're in classrooms and they then they back out and they go back to virtual and they're back in the classrooms. This kind of jerking back and forth may be worse than adopting one method and sticking with it. I saw I think it was the Lakefield schools went back in for about two weeks and then all of a sudden they had to back out because of uh, a COVID outburst. And I think a number of other schools in the area have done gone through the same process where they tried to go back in the classrooms, worked out for a while, then all of a sudden they had to hit the reverse gear because uh, uh, there, was a, there was an outbreak of some kind. Yeah, school districts are put in the middle here. If there the law really are, is not yeah. clear, the, if the law is not clear, parents can sue the school. And parents don't want their people suing the school. Uh, it's, a, it's a step in the wrong direction. And yet the law will allow them, if the school district, you have an outbreak, and then it's determined that the outbreak is caused by kids being in the classroom, they're going to go after it. And the schools don't have that kind of money, and the state doesn't have that kind of money. So we have to decide one way or the other. Are we going to put kids in school and let them learn? We, always, we already know that there's a small, smaller risk factors because kids don't get contaminated that easy and uh, the only concern we have are for teachers who fear being in the classroom and the unions who want to keep the kids out of the classroom and and, I was going to say go ahead Art you know it's crazy to me that that 
you know, they keep on talking. It's a novel uh, virus. We don't know much about it. CDC came out with some uh, some guidance, and then they took it back. And took it back. the teacher uh, don't need to be required to take the shots first. They're not mm-hmm. essential workers. Now they have to take the shot. They are essential workers. My, my, my thing here is sit back, calm down. We only at March now. I mean, we at March now. There's only a couple more months left. Just go and discontinue this whole school year. Keep on doing it virtual until everybody gets these shots or uh, vaccinations. And then September, you can start out full-fledged full and, and, and go back. But you don't want to jeopardize, rear, you know, bring a, a second surge because there was 100 uh, students and staff that was in the newspaper yesterday, last night, where they uh, got the virus. And then, you know, here in yeah. Flint, we already saw the uptick. Flint had more cases than any other city in Genesee County. So why do you want to risk it where a lot of the grandparents is taking care of these grandkids and they be asymptomatic and bring bring it home to them? And now we uh, our hospitals are overloaded and, you know, we're, we're in the same uh, situation we were in before. Let's just take our time and do what needs to be done. Quit trying to rush it. I understand that a lot of parents uh, need, 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 you know, they, they work day shift. And, you know, their kids is at, at school, they're able to go to work. And I understand that. And, 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 and you know, I, I sympathize. But what is greater than bringing home uh, COVID-19, uh, the COVID, COVID virus to you, the U.K., the South African virus, uh, what is it, variant, uh, mm-hmm. virus, or whatever they call it. I mean, yeah. what, what's more important? Do you, you know, want to risk your life? Uh, or do you, you know, want to wait until everything is safe? But the other side of that argument uh, is that look at what the kids lose. You can never make it up. That's what but the I other would, side would is arguing. That's well, what the other side know, from, is from, from the teachers and the students' point of view, this jerking back and forth may be worse than being consistent one one direction yeah, or another. I mean, I the virtual say, learning has its flaws. But if you do it right, it's it's not bad. But if you're doing two weeks of this and then two weeks of that back and forth, as I say, trying to trying to run a class that way has got to be just confusing as hey. anything for both the students hey. and the teachers. I think. You know, one of the things I be, go ahead, Art. I'm gonna be totally honest, right? I be doing uh, meetings and and groups and stuff on, online, and it's easy to be distracted on you know while you're sitting at home, and a lot of grades have dropped since they've they been have. doing virtual True. learning. Yeah. So it's a lot of different things that you have to weigh, but safety is the number one thing here. And, but I understand why they're trying to get students back in class because a lot of people are, grades are, a lot of kids' grades are dropping. Yes. So yeah, I, understand both, I understand both sides. Well, and yeah. I think Art made an, uh, an interesting uh, point, a good point, that there's only a few weeks left in the official school year. And, you know, maybe, maybe the thing to do is to err on the side of caution and then go at it, you know, full tilt boogie next, uh, you know, next fall and, mm-hmm. and start worrying about, catching up from COVID slide. One of the things that I haven't looked at in, in next month, it will mark a year since, you know, we started reacting to 
you know the the spread of uh, this pandemic. And and when you look back at the Spanish flu in 1918, that dragged out for about three years. So if we're talking about, you know, in just over a calendar year, being able to get this under control, we we might not be in as bad a shape as as it feels like we are right now. now. Can I suggest that uh, why don't either one of you three, all three, just take a tour through the school during uh, virtual learning where only half of the population is there? You got about uh, up to uh, 13 to 15 kids in the classroom. They have the safe distance. They wear the mask. They uh, wash their hands. And uh, they don't touch each other. And now, and, and is- I think that's a good point too, Henry. And and what I'm curious about now, I guess, is the the these so-called sneeze guards are are these the the plastic shields that I see people wearing yeah. on their faces? Is that what they're talking about? They plexiglass. Plexi- they plexiglass shields, yeah. like when you yeah. walk between, into the between bank. desks, right? No, no, yeah. it's, those it's, ones that separate the desks off. Aren't they talking no, about they, the they, things they that they sit on the desk? Oh, they it, sit on yeah. top of the desk. Oh, it, it, it is. Like oh, yeah, when, they got shields around the desk. Yeah, oh, yeah. If, yeah. yeah that's, what, that's what I thought they were. But, yeah. Now, yeah. see, I but thought see, it was just those those well, uh, plastic face masks. No, they're talking about the plexiglass that goes on on top of the desk. But here's the problem. Okay, that could take a little longer. Mr. Hatter, here's the problem that I have, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And in and, 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 and a perfect world, all schools are the same, right? Yeah. That's a perfect yeah. world. Yeah. Grand Blank schools are ventilated. They they roofs don't leak. Uh roofs don't leak mm-hmm. when it rains. Uh they have serious ventilation, but in a uh uh an impoverished community such as Flint, blighted and everything else, we have ceilings that leak. We don't have full ventilation. Matter of fact, we don't even have water fountains that kids can drink out of mm-hmm. yet. So That's because the kids were failed to drink Flint water. No, no. What I'm saying, right? They have to put new, new, new fountains in there. Uh, yeah, but I, they haven't school. finished the refit. Is, no, is right, right. But, but so, so what, the point that I'm making, the uh, right, and I went to homes. I went to homes, and they have what they call the owl, and, and for virtual learning, I understand that part. But Flint schools, I don't believe, is ready for with ventilation. You got to have a certain amount of uh, 400 oxygen and carbon, carbon dioxide, and all this. They said on the news, Flint isn't ready for all that. But Grand Blank, they have brand new buildings. Flint has buildings yeah. from 1952. <clears throat> And, and, oh, well, they've got no, some that are older than that. Art. Here's the point that you're right. making. Oh, right. Go ahead, Henry. Now, the technology and building design 10 years ago was you close the building down. You minimize the number of buildings to protect the heat loss in the building because at that time, the highest segment of your, um, uh, of your cost for maintaining the school is heating and lighting. It's the electrical mm-hmm. energy. So they completely reduced that. We went to this. It's all, we're only within about a 10 to 15-year cycle from that. Now you're saying we've got to open up the buildings. Look how the school district is being waffled around 
it cannot decide if everybody else is deciding for it. It's the, it's the community of the school that's responsible for the health, safety, and the education of the school district, not everybody else, not government, not Washington. We already in debt, so do we take a chance at teach? I mean, parents and probably even teachers because some of them are have immune deficiencies, and you forcing them back up in there also. Do we take a chance at losing money by lawsuits, or do we just wait until next year after everybody takes the vaccination and? we move on and be able to go at it full throttle and help the kids catch up with last year. That sounds good, Arthur. That sounds good. But you've got to listen to what the parents want and what the school district can accommodate. If you haven't got a comment from them, you're whistling Dixie. Yeah. Well, they got a comment. They said 40% of the parents here in the city of Flint wants to go back. Okay. That's a good sign. Well, forty well, percent, but, but, but that's 60% not enough. Don't? That, that's yeah, not enough. Yeah. Let me. <laughs> you got to get that fifty percent of people. Right. Yeah, they, I mean, they took a survey. Uh, Superintendents, uh, they mailed out surveys. She said, and forty percent. I mean, that's still a high number, being True. that that you know it's COVID nineteen, and they know the risk, and they know what's going on, and forty percent of the parents feel that you know they want to go back but you have the board and individual teachers that feel like hey you know what it's more <laughs> teachers and board members that saying we don't want to go you know so yeah but they're parents, getting their standard pay too you know why go back when you somebody's lining your pockets but and here's I the think thing our, they do I think they, our, they doing, that's right on one do, point the school buildings <laughs> aren't ready for it in some in Flint some of those buildings are so old that I mean, there were stories I heard about some schools where kids had to wear jackets, you know, during during classes because the heating wasn't working right. well. Hey, and then here's another thing: we saying that they're getting paid, right? People have to understand that the teachers are not working virtual from home; they are up in these buildings working from the buildings, and they yeah. still around others, and they still can catch the virus because uh, I think at one of the schools they did. So they still around people. So, you know, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, they just sitting back getting paid for doing nothing. No, they are still at these buildings doing well, virtual learning. some of them are. Some of them teach from home. They have their, you know, this is all done by computer. And and uh, you have to be able to get on the Internet. The the computer and the Internet is the, right. the classroom for the teacher. She can be anywhere. She can be on a bus. Going no, they had an hour. They they yeah. have the out. Uh, I took a tour of homes, homes yeah. uh, uh, school, with yeah. uh, Superintendent Stewart, and she was showing yeah. me how they did virtual learning, and they have this out that follows the teacher around in the classroom. One of the teachers even made, you know, uh, cardboard students to sit in the desk to make them have a feel of being in school. Oh. So, so <laughs> like, they like do, at the ballpark. <laughs> like, a, yeah, like, like a ball game. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So they do they do work in these buildings. So I want people to understand yeah. that that's listening, that they're not just getting paid to sit at home. They are yeah. going into these buildings and working from these buildings. Arthur, I didn't mean to say that all teachers are sitting at home and no, don't want to no. work. No, oh, okay. that's, not, that's not what we're saying. Let what me, we're saying... 
Henry, I, I've got to stop you there. We've got to take another break, and we'll come back. We'll finish this conversation. And okay. uh, we've got another uh, Flint story coming up uh, in the next segment before we go to Lansing and Washington. So stay tuned. More Armchair Politics straight ahead. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing or if you are worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. 
We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. The Tom Sumner Program.com. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by community activist Art Woodson. And um, just before the break, Henry was making a point, and we'll pick it up there and... and, uh, Try and squeeze in one more Flint story before the top of the hour. Okay, I know that Tom, uh, that Art Woodson has been part of the school community, so I respect that, and I know that he's knowledgeable in that. But I want to say that teachers, by and large, protect the interest of their students. Most teachers love their kids; they they will do anything to protect them. But in in cases here where uh, there's an exposure to the virus and teachers are afraid of it and may be justified. Now, guys, this is justified because there are people in the population that typify this feeling of fear about the virus. There are people in the health communities that do the same thing. So teachers sometimes will set themselves up in a remote room and hire a substitute to deal with those kids in the classroom. And, uh, and then they're, they're, they're not in contact with kids who can possibly bring viruses, and which is a good thing. And the 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 regular teacher teaches the the students online, and also uh, that that online class comes into the same room where kids are present. But the kids cannot be left isolated and alone in the classroom. That's against the law. So someone has to have the. To, uh, I have the responsibility of watching students, like a babysitter. But they also do other things, too. Well, I think parents are finding that. Henry, I think parents have been finding that out, as uh, some of them have had to try to to learn how to (laughs) homeschool during all this. I think they they have a newfound respect for teachers and what they do and and what they try to accomplish. Teachers in the classroom have to figure it out. They have to find out, how do you motivate a child? Now, parents don't know that because sometimes they'll say, here, here you sit down and do this, kind of in a, in a um, textbook type of teaching environment, but that doesn't work. You've got to be able to inspire kids, and only teachers can do that. And uh, they, they work, at, and teachers will put up with the antics of students in the classroom. Parents will not. But parents won't yell at their kids again because they don't want to hear that temperament from the kids, that flashback. So <laughs> they break up the, the uh, relationship of the teacher-student. Well, and I don't want to throw parents under the bus because a lot of parents have really stepped up during yeah. this crisis and, and uh, made sure that their kids had the equipment to do online learning. And, and some of the parents have even... Uh, um, just figured it out learned how to do teaching at home and and you know kudos to them i did say i wanted to squeeze in uh, another another story here five individuals and a couple 
are being honored uh, this week with keys to the city of Flint and Sheldon Neely's Ujima Award, part of the city's recognition of Black History Month. Ujima is uh, the third principle of Kwanzaa and means collective work and responsibility, according to a news release from the city. This is the first time the Sheldon Neely Ujima Awards have been given. The honorees are Norm Bryant, Reuben Burks, um, Nate Bertley, those two uh, posthumously, uh, Floyd and Brenda Clack, Joe Davis, and uh, Cleora McGee. Um, what are your thoughts about about these choices? Um, I, for one, wanted to see uh, Arthur Woodson on the list. Yeah, Arthur <laughs> Woodson should be there. No, I'm serious. Arthur Woodson yeah, should Arthur be there. Yeah, Arthur has an awful lot to the dialogue and of politics around Flint and Genesee County. There's a lot to be said for that. Yes, there's a lot. Just because you don't like a person, that doesn't mean that he doesn't. And I, I'm not saying this, Arthur. <laughs> but, but just because... He is better than you at certain things. <laughs> Maybe I'll put it that way. Uh, and he opens up doors that you can't open up. He needs to be part of the process because that's the success story. You open you know, up all doors. What, what, what's sad is that we use different things as a political tool. And to me, you know, if I don't have, if I was a mayor and I don't have anything good the report to the community, I will abuse, uh, giving away keys to the city, you know, to where I will devalue. Because somebody asked me uh, last night, they said, uh, because they thought he was giving away a key to the city, and I nicknamed him uh, Mayor Sheldon Locksmith uh, Neely because he was giving away <laughs> five or six keys a week, you know, and, and I don't like awards anyway, so... It doesn't hurt me that I don't get an award because I know I'm not going to ever get one. Well, so join, I, the, I join the join so, the party. Like I said, now, are, are, would, would that would that hurt your reputation if you'd gotten one? But my thing is, you know, somebody asked me a question. What what do you do? What did you used to have to do in order to get a key to the city? And, and, and you know, I, I I couldn't think of what 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 it was, and then I thought about Cory Booker, how he ran up into a burning house, you know, when he was a mayor over in New Jersey, and yeah. he, they, you know, they gave him an award. Well, and people a key to the city for that. People don't remember this about Cory Booker, but while he was mayor, he spent some time, uh, um, he for lunch every day, he limited himself to the same budget that people on welfare had. So he yeah, could only afford awesome. to do that's for awesome. lunch what his constituents could afford to do for lunch. Mm. And and he did a number of things like that to show that you know he was he was willing to go through what other people are going through. And so he had a better understanding of what it was like to have ramen noodles for lunch. No man. Mm-hmm. So I just I just see it as you know people in in position just use that as a ploy of uh, political uh, maneuvering to put you know make it seem like they're doing something when they're you know when they don't have anything good to say or elevating certain individuals in you know and, and in that in that clique or that crew or that people can can go you know listen to them. 
even though they're a political arm of that person who gave them the award. You think there's a lot of inside baseball on this list? Well, not well, not all of them. Uh, and I don't know anything about this particular list uh, personally, but some of the people that I have seen awards and keys to the city given to because uh, they they didn't gave he didn't gave away so many keys. Somebody gonna break <laughs> up into the house. <laughs> yeah i wonder about that if we you know with all these keys to the city out if we've all got to change our locks that's um, right but uh our we we don't we don't have an official key to the tom sumner program but you have your own theme song so oh yeah man <laughs> I, I feel great too right i mean whatever <laughs> i'm against it hey hey <laughs> I, I, re- I remember asking Art one time, um, we went through the list of, of mayors over the last couple decades to see if there was one that, that he thought was okay. <laughs> and he couldn't think of one. It's <laughs> a good theme song, Art. <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't be in this situation right now if we had a mayor that, that really looked out for the people. Yeah. Well, let me go ahead and uh, move on over to Lansing. we just got about three minutes until we uh, have to take another quick break. But the former Speaker of the Michigan House of Representatives has resigned as the head of an economic development organization just days after taking the job following significant pushback from community and business leaders. The objections to Lee Chatfield leading Southwest Michigan first arise from his efforts as Speaker to block adding new legal protections for LGBTQ workers and residents into state law. In a letter posted to Twitter on Monday, Chatfield apologized for causing an unfortunate controversy, but not for the beliefs at the core of the issue. Should former elected officials be judged by the positions they held and decisions they made while in office? Is this another version of cancel culture? Oh my God! Well, it depends well, on. Uh, it might it might have hurt his effectiveness, though. I mean, maybe maybe he made a judgment that he couldn't be effective. I don't know. Yes. Uh, and besides, uh, I I thought that he recovered from that, and the 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 governor. Uh, the Attorney General and the Secretary of State all came out and exonerated him for that, for the way he he carried out his business in Lansing as a Speaker of the House. Well, they say it's just politics. Go ahead, Art. I'm sure you've got strong feelings about uh, elected official accountability. Yeah, I mean, if that's your stance, I mean, why, I mean... You have to own what it is yes. that you do. Just like uh, mm-hmm. Councilman Davis endorsed and see voting yes. and endorsing. Personally, yeah. is different. Endorsing is different. Politically, yeah. you endorse a President Trump in a 90% Democrat war. Yeah. You yeah. have to own that. I don't yeah. care what it is. This is just political. Well, you said Henry knows about, about that. LGBT. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and you said this about LGBT. You stood on this, and that's why I say, you know, I would never pass a law that try to uh, regulate people's lives. Whatever they do in the in, in the in the conference of their home, that's between them and God. I can be against it, but it's still I don't want I don't want to regulate what 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 someone else can do. A woman's choice. I'm against abortion, but but 
I'm not going to put anything in law to tell her what she can and can't do with her body. I'm a Christian. I believe in God. Well, then you know what? I'm going to allow God, her and God to talk to one another. I could say, hey, listen, you shouldn't do it. Hey, you we got a break it. there, but I want to get back to this discussion because uh, does, does that same thought art go toward um, providing protections? You know, it's one thing to, to have restrictions, but what about protections? We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 